Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, February the 7th of 2021. It's incredible. We are about a month, and we are a month and a half already into 2021. Time is flying. Things are, are taking place. and uh, But in the midst of all of this chaos that's going on, what a privilege that we have to still have the freedom to be able to have these these studies, this podcast. And we thank God for this avenue that God has left to declare his word, to warn his people, to encourage his people, to sound the alarm, to preach the gospel. And we want to welcome you today uh, to our podcast. All of our listeners, wherever you are tuning in from, uh, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself, whatever... Um, a means you are using uh, to get it, to get these podcasts. We are grateful for you, and as always, we enjoy the time that we can spend together studying and discussing the Word of God. And joining me today on this panel is Brother Fernando. Uh, we've been um, uh, studying in the last few weeks uh, many, many things in the Book of Matthew through the life of Jesus, through the temptation. Uh, that he went through, and uh, as as you can see, as it is obvious, we are missing our dear brother Marty, uh, but we hope to have him in the next few days, but as always, uh, he has always deeply missed his insight and, and just the uh, what God uh, gives him, but we're also excited that um, we have the privilege to handle this wonderful word of God, so I'm excited about today's study. I'm looking forward to what God has for us today. So, Brother Fernando, I will leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we discuss and study the Word of God together. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. I want to welcome you today to uh, today's podcast, Wednesday, February 17th. And it seems like time is flying. and uh, But we are encouraged that we know everything. God is in control of. He's in control of all things. And uh, that's where we take great courage, and uh, we're trusting in his word. And we thank him that he is uh, warning us of what's coming so we are not left alone, amen, without direction. Um, as Pastor Jeremy said, Brother Marty could not be with us. I know he's been listening. So uh, if you're listening, man of God, we love you. And uh, can't wait to have you back, praying for the family as well. Um, as they go through this uh, situation that they're going through. We cover your prayers for their family as well, as well as ours as we continue to do the work of the ministry. Um, <laughs> it does not come without, you know, uh, some kind of many-time mental warfare. Um, yeah. and, and there's nothing that the enemy hates more in this hour than to hear the word of God being proclaimed. And we're yeah. just human beings. We're just men, frail and, 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 and in need of his grace. So we cover your prayers, um, always, always uh, covering your prayers. Uh, always keep us in mind when you hit your knees and, and, and pray for myself, Pastor Jeremy, Brother Marty, our families, that the blood of Jesus will cover us uh, and that yeah. a door of utterance will be open for us. That's what the yeah. Apostle Paul told the church to do, you know. Well, we live in the day and age of, of the superstar preacher, and you know the 
what I've what I've noticed is that people have developed this idea that the preacher is the man of God and he feeds the people and and he's the last person in each prayer. Hmm. Uh, quite the contrary, I think I think more than ever the the minister of the Lord needs the prayer of the saints to carry on the work, the true work of God. Amen. That's right. The true work of That's God right. will always be hindered by the devil. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that's really what we've been studying about in, in uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We see the beginning of Christ's ministry and this com- this confrontation with the devil where he is tempted. Uh, we titled this series, The Three Temptations of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and we are gathering so much revelation as the Lord has given it to us by his grace. Um, so, so we see this this eternal conflict in the Gospel of Matthew chapter four, and and I mean, it, it, there's so much that the Lord has given us, and every time I, I feel that we've kind of uh, exhausted the 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 the, the uh, count of the three temptations of Jesus Christ, the Lord says, no, there's more, there's more, there's more. So we're just excited and 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 joyful. Uh, what the Lord is revealing to us, um, and, and the truth of the matter is, you know, all we attempt to do always is to find Jesus in Scripture. And when you find Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ, then you will find the eternal unfolding purpose of God in him, in Jesus. And then we can find our purpose in him on this earth. As we begin to see things big picture, as we begin to see things as God desires to reveal them, that is the knowledge of his will, his wisdom, his understanding given to us. Amen. So it's it's, it's quite amazing what the Lord has been showing us, and uh, I look forward to what the Lord is going to give us. And so let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, again, chapter 4, reading the first 11 verses. Um, we're going to attempt to uh, um, get into the three temptations from a different angle. I believe the Lord has been showing me certain things um, concerning the three temptations of of Jesus Christ. I believe we have we we are given insight by the Holy Spirit into the the plan uh, of the two beasts mentioned. In the book of Revelations, chapter 13, uh, that are empowered by the dragon, forming this unholy trinity, as it has been called. Uh, And I believe that we are given insight into the plan that they are trying to execute through these three temptations. Right. And and we're going to make the the comparison um, with the book of Revelation, what Revelations, chapter 13 says concerning. uh, these two beasts, uh, who we call the Antichrist and the false prophet, right? Again, who are empowered by the dragon himself. So it, it's it's it's. I think there's some insight there that we can really glean from, and I pray that the Lord will bring that forth as we go along. So let's get into the Word of God, Pastor Jeremy. If you can read again those first eleven verses we have been reading from of the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter four in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Amen. Praise God. I want to just quickly, uh, you know, uh, remind people um, how these podcasts came about, and I think it's worth remembering. Um, because, Because what we don't want to do is just to do podcasts and make this thing a routine thing and forget how everything happened and transpired and begun. Um, it was around this time uh, last year, or, or I think around March, if I remember correctly, Pastor Jeremy, when uh, we began to do these podcasts and it was leading up to Passover. And we began to bring forth out of Scripture the connections that we see uh, in Scripture with, with Passovers. And, and the the the, uh, the revelation was striking and fascinating of what the Lord was telling us concerning Passover, and we began to realize the Passover, the feast of Passover, is the trigger event or the feast that triggers prophetic events, mm-hmm. right? And we began to uh, study the Exodus, uh, the Book of Exodus, uh, and what took place. Uh, in, in the days of Moses, and begin to compare it, and, and and begin to see the parallels of what was taking place around the world, where this COVID nineteen hit, and and everybody went under lockdown and found themselves in their homes during Passover, and we begin to ask the people the question: Is what took place during last year's Passover just a mere coincidence? Or was it prophetic and was it telling us of something that it's coming or yet to come? Was last year's uh, Passover a trigger event that would set the framework of prophetic events and 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 really uh, um, you know take us deeper into the end times and and and, and what's the word I'm looking for? Speed up the process, so to speak, right? 
of the prophetic mm-hmm. events, the prophetic clock of God. Fast forward almost a year later, there is no doubt, there is no doubt that uh, last year's Passover was prophetic. I believe it was a Passover of the likes we have not seen since the actual uh, exodus. Because of the truth of the matter is, never has the world been in a lockdown where families were in their home since the likes of the exodus in the days of Moses. So we begin to to study the Exodus, and we begin to see the parallels. We begin to see the connection there, and, and the Lord began to open up his word more, um, and, and so forth and so on. And we've been studying the book of Matthew, and we see the same exact parallels. We see we see the, the, the prefigures of the Passover um, in, in the book of Exodus and the Exodus. We see it uh, being fulfilled in Christ's life and ministry which is fascinating, right? And, and, and all giving us insight into deeper understanding, deeper levels of revelation concerning the eternal will of God. Really, it's the Lord leading us to understand the eternal conflict that is taking place, right? And when we read the Exodus, we're really seeing at a much deeper level the divine purposes of God uh, being fulfilled, and we see the satanic opposition against it. Right, so I mean, you, you, the, the parallels are amazing. You, you can go back to 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 Joseph, right, um, and, and Jacob. We see a picture of God the Father and and His Son. We know that Jacob loved Joseph. He loved Joseph, and Joseph, you know, uh, because of the sins of his own brethren, was sold into slavery. Think about that now, and and wound up in Egypt. Right, so in type and shadow, uh, and, 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 and Israel, as it was told to Abraham, was was in slavery for some four hundred years. But what the scripture indicates that Israel being in captivity in Egypt was a type or a prophecy that Jesus would come into this world. Egypt served as a womb for Israel, so to speak. But it was really speaking of the birth or or Jesus becoming man and being in in the womb of a woman. How do we know that? Because the scripture indicates that, right? In Exodus 4.22, Moses said unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. The Lord was telling us there what Israel was a type of. Israel is my son. He was saying Israel in captivity is a type of my son. So Egypt served as a womb of sorts for Israel or this world became a womb of sorts to give birth to the Son of God. Mm-hmm. If you can see it, Israel is my son. When Israel came out of captivity, then they became a nation. Then they became a nation, right? Exodus 13, right after they leave Egypt, verse 2 says, notice, notice the strict instructions, and look at the terminology that the Lord uses. 
to give to Moses to give instructions unto the children of God, the Israelites. He says, sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Notice, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So in chapter 13, they are delivered. They are leaving <laughs> Egypt, right? Yes. And, 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 and the Lord likens the leaving of Egypt as Israel coming forth out of the womb or his son coming forth out of the womb. Israel goes through the water. Again, a type of the womb, the Red Sea. And when they come out of the water, they come into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And this is what we see a type of in the gospel, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is in the wilderness. He begins his earthly ministry, right? The wilderness is a type of this world. Right. All that right. was speaking of, Israel is my son. It was the, the, the exodus from Egypt was all prophesying from Jacob and Joseph, a type of God the Father and God the Son, Joseph coming to Egypt, right, coming to this world, born of a, of, of, of a woman in the womb of a woman, and then, and, then, and then being born. And that's exactly what we read about in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, right, mm-hmm. that the seed had come. We read about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and we see that he's born of a woman, and we see the same types and shadows of the Exodus playing out in in, in uh, Matthew chapter two with the persecution of every child under two years old. The same took place in the Exodus and so forth and so on. We spoke about the baptism of Jesus Christ by John, by John the Baptist as a type of the crossing of the Red Sea, right? He is born. He is declared the Son of God. This is my beloved Son. He is my firstborn. He is here in the earth. He has come. Right? So we see that the wilderness is a type of this world. It, it speaks of Jesus coming to this world uh, and, and beginning his ministry and so forth and so on. So Moses in the wilderness is a prefigure of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Right. Right? We know that Moses dies. He doesn't cross over to the promised land. Jesus died on the cross. But he rose from the dead. So when we see Joshua, Joshua, his name literally means salvation, he is a type of the resurrected Christ, and yes. he leads his people to the promised land. Amen? And, and again, you can go deeper. This is just food for thought as we, as we get into what we're trying to get into. Um, there's just so much there that we're barely scratching the surface. When you read about the accounts of, of, of Joshua and his victories, Joshua is a man of war. Remember what we are in. And this is exactly what we're seeing in the wilderness right now in the Gospel of Matthew. We're seeing the conflict between good and evil. We see this war that is waging or that has been waged, that is raging, amen, between the devil and his angels and, and uh, against God and, and his son and, and, and his angels. This is what it's all about. So when we see the, the, the events in the story of Joseph or uh, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, 
we're really seeing the resurrected Christ cleansing the promised land of its enemies. It's literally a type of what the book of Colossians says, if we have eyes to see. In the natural, we see Joshua defeating his enemies, but in the spirit, it is a drama. It is a drama of how God now is bringing under subjection all things under him. He is reconciling the world, right? And we know that in, in the promised land, when Joshua crosses over, there's giants, half angel, half human DNA. Think about that now, right? So, so it's a picture of both that which is visible with the angelic DNA and that which is or that which is invisible, the angelic DNA, and that which is visible, right? Man. And the, the two together form the, these giants, right? But it speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ reconciling the cosmos. So when you read the book of Joshua, you're really getting insight into a spiritual war that is taking place, right? And, and, and the, that which is visible and that which is invisible. He is bringing all things under one head. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is bringing all things back under his authority, under his order. Why? Because it was Satan who disturbed that order by, by uh, as, we, as we spoke about in the book of Hebrews and Colossians, by challenging that authority that God gave to his son over all creation. Amen? Yeah. So it speaks at many levels, but... I want to quickly get into uh, um, this, you know, the three temptations and, and how it gives us insight in, into how um, the the two beasts of the book of Revelations in chapter 13 will seek to execute their plan to dominate the world and to deceive the world. And what's quite fascinating as I was doing this study in connection with Passover and the Exodus the Bible tells us that the deception and, and, and the implementation of the Antichrist system, and we'll get into that, that the uh, book of Revelation chapter 13 speaks about, and, and that we're already seeing the framework for that, um, uh, you know, as you turn on the news and, 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 and look what's happening. Let me tell you something. I know there's a new administration in power. But don't be deceived. Things have, things have not gotten better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is weird what is going on, right? Yeah. I mean, Capitol Hill is caged up, right? Everything Still our today. president, yeah, everything our president says is under a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. It is the weirdest thing we are seeing right now. It is satanic in nature. Understand that. Our nation is not the same. You want to talk about transparency? There is no transparency right now. Deception is taking place. But we are to expect that, right? The world is the world. We know where we're headed. But as I I was studying, and we'll get into it in a little bit, um, the implementation of the mark of the beast the Antichrist system, the Bible seems to be indicating that will, it, it will take place during a Passover, which is quite fascinating. 
and we'll get into that in a minute and, and see why that is uh, uh, that we're saying that. Uh, and again, I believe this is what the scripture is, is telling us, and we'll get into it quickly. So let's turn quickly to the book of Revelation, chapter 13, in connection with the Gospel of Matthew 4. And I want to quickly just read uh, um, the chapter. If you can go ahead and read it, Pastor. All right, you want me to start with verse 1? Yeah, yeah, let's read the whole thing. Okay. Chapter 13. You know why? And I stood up. You know I say that. You know I say that. A lot of people don't read don't read the Book of Revelation, so might as well take the opportunity to <laughs> to read as much as we can from it, right? So um, praise God. Amen. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as they were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all, that, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain, from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship in the first beast, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth and in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. 
And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the numbers or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Amen. So we have the, the, the dragon and the two beasts that are mentioned here in the in the book of Revelations, chapter 13. Notice what the, the first beast is able to do uh, in verse 6, and look what he does. Verse 5, actually. There was given unto him a mouth. So he, he is now embodying a person that has a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. So here the dragon gives this first beast the power, right? And he continues three and a half years or 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth. This is now Satan's, you know, uh, uh, influencing and giving his power to this beast who is influencing this man to speak this way. It's really Satan through him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. There it is to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the lamb slain from, from, the, from the foundation of the world. So this is the kind of power that is given to the first beast. Well, we have to understand one thing. This power cannot be executed without the second beast. This plan cannot be executed without the help and assistance of the second beast. Look what it says. And I beheld, in verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. Here it is. He's a false lamb. He's a false prophet. And again, the Holy Spirit is telling us that he is a false lamb or a false Passover or a false Messiah, right, mm -hmm. and, 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 or a false prophet that is trying to bring the world and convince the world and deceive the world that the first beast, right, whom the dragon gives power to, is to be worshipped as Messiah. Okay? And it says, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he does this by great wonders, it says, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. This is the beast, the second beast, 
right? Without him, the first beast cannot execute his plan to dominate the world and to ultimately deceive the world. The first beast seeks to dominate the world, and whether it's politically, whether it's through war, um, you know, uh, by whatever political means, that's how he ultimately seeks worship, but he cannot execute his plan without a religion's uh, leader. And there's much debate as to who is going to be. Some say it's the Pope. You know, some say, you know, uh, it's this, this, this Pope that's alive today. Who knows? But I do know that this Pope that, that's in power right now, if, if that's not him, he is a, a foreshadow of the one who is to come, right? Um, and, and it says that uh, he does these miracles. He says in, in verse 14, he does, or verse 13, he does them in the sight of man. Notice in verse 16, and he, the second beast, pauses all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand mm-hmm. and in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's the wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 600, 3, 4, and 6, or 666. So we have the first beast who, who, who has global power, who, has, who seeks to be worshipped, right? But it's really the dragon working through him, and it's really the dragon, Satan himself, who seeks to worship. But he cannot execute the plan of dominating the world and implementing his 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 world system without deceiving the world religiously and having the world believe that he is the Messiah, that is the first beast. He needs the second beast, the help and assistance to execute. That's what the word exercise means, to make, to, to, to carry out this plan. And, and it's going to be deception of the likes that, that the world has never seen with miracles, and wonders, right? In verse 15, he says, and he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He's literally, when you get down to it in the Greek, he literally gives breath to this image. It becomes alive, right? And, and, And we won't get into that, but that's just a fascinating thought to think about, right? And we have foreshadows and, and prefigures of this in the book of Daniel with the, uh, the image of Nebuchadnezzar that he erected and, and, and uh, uh, he made everyone in his kingdom that was under his dominion to worship it, right? right? As it was in the beginning, so shall it be at the end. So, so again, yeah. the, the, the second beast, the second beast, we know what the world is. We know what the first beast is going to do with the world, but this second beast is very dangerous because he is dressed like a lamb with two horns, right? Mm -hmm. And he deceives the world religiously. So we see the component of, of, of politics and economics, right? And we see the, the, the component of religion, and that's exactly what we see in Type and Shadow that will ultimately bring this, this world domination 
um, that verse 7 talks about in chapter uh, 13, where it says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. He is, he is seeking to dominate the world through war. He has the ability to war. He is a powerful political man, right? But at the same time, he controls the economy because look what the second beast does, right? He says he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, right? Yes. It, it, it literally sounds like socialism here, right? Everybody's at the same level here. Right. And bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And this is right. this is what, what it causes. And that no man might buy. There he goes the economy. So he has control of uh he, he's a political man seeking to 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 uh control the world and he's he's also has the ability to war. So he has a great army at his disposal. That's on call. If anybody steps up He's the eraser. He takes care of them, right? Whoever makes war against him can defeat him, right? But also there's control of the economy. It says, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Mm -hmm. All of this is executed by the second beast. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have religion. We have this system being uh, promoted as a religion. Right. Everything that is worldly will be embodied in the Antichrist, who the dragon gives his power to. Everything that is worldly mm -hmm. will be a religion. Right. Everything that is fleshly, worldly, the Bible says it's really devilish, right? It will right. be promoted as a religion, as the new God, right? So let's go to, uh, back to, did you want to say something, Pastor? You know, the ability to speak about, uh, from this uh, false prophet is, it's a, and the Antichrist, it's going to be so mesmerizing, you know? Right. Um, we also see the example in the book of Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where those who do not worship the beast shall be thrown in a in a fire, you know, and, and that's another mm -hmm. type of shadow of what we read, right? How uh, power was was given uh, to this to this image, uh, and right. and and you know, for for those who do not worship sh should not worship him should be killed, you know. So it, it's mesmerizing, and and it is dangerous how this false prophet. Right, which the Antichrist cannot move on without the help of this beast, right? What the Bible calls him, because it's it's you know, remember the Bible speaks about you know the, an angel of light, you know, though his appearance is like a lamb, yeah. like you said, his appearance is is very, you know, uh, mesmerizing, you know, and and it's going to bring all religions together, you know, and make everything and one. Yeah, and it's yeah. fascinating that in between the uh, introduction of these two beasts. Uh, right in between, before uh, you know the second beast is mentioned, there is a warning given to the church that has a lot of church terminology in it, a lot of terminology yes. that is uh, given to the seven churches of the Book of Revelation. It's yes. almost like yes. 
Okay, we understand who the first beast is, but the second beast, right? He's harsh. You know, he he, he causes all boss, uh, all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. This false prophet, this false lamb, is going to be used to put pressure on the church. Mm-hmm that is alive during these times, right? Uh, and it says, uh, look at the, the, the warning given to the church, right? If we have eyes to see and ears to hear in verse 9, before the introduction of the second beast, it says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. It's almost like God is saying, put your seatbelts on. The pressure or the hour of temptation is here. Yeah. Right? It's right. here. It, and we know it, that the hour... Of... Go ahead. Just as you were saying, the pressure, remember, that's what happened through the three Hebrew boys. It says that the that the fiery furnace was, <laughs> the pressure was put seven times. You know? Hotter, right? Uh, as you said that, you know, it got hotter seven times, you know? So, yeah, the, the pressure is going to be put on. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's worth revisiting, and that's what we've been doing a lot of, just revisiting, revisiting uh, a lot of things and, and – uh, I hope that these things are are sinking into your heart, prayerfully searching after them, and and just finding the confirmation of the Holy Spirit as to what we are saying. Um, if we can go again to Revelations chapter three, uh, verse ten, and concerning this hour of and notice the same word is used there, patience, right? The same ter- the same wording that is used in Revelations thirteen. Right. Uh, let me read it again. Yeah. Let me go back there. Um, here is the patient and the faith of the saints. That's what it says in Revelation 13, uh, verse 10. And we have the same term- terminology as well in Revelation 3.10. If you can read it, Pastor. Please. Yes. Uh, it says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I it also is. will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Yes. Yeah, incredible, right? Um, and again, if you can look up that word temptation, it, it literally is the word and what it implies, if you look at the Greek, it, it, it's literally taking us back to the temptation in the wilderness. Right? Yes. Do you have that there, yes. Pastor? I do. Uh, it says... Um, it, that, that it also speaks of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus, the Messiah, from his divine errand. Correct. So, so, uh, so it's a trial. Yeah. So there's yes. con- there's con- there's connection with the wilderness experience, the ten- three temptations of Jesus Christ, the conflict between good and evil, in in uh. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter four, what the account we're reading about in connection with the Book of Revelation, right? If mm-hmm. if we have eyes to see, 
So let, let's make that connection now of how these three temptations give us insight into how uh, the 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 first beast and the second beast try to execute the plan of uh, you know world domination and ultimately uh, complete worship of Satan himself um, and and uh, you know the, the the second beast by deceiving even the very elect the Bible says right yeah that's what it says and, and again let me let me lay this out. Uh, concerning the first beast and the second beast, the Antichrist and the false prophet. Um, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of this false prophet, uh, has been at work throughout all of world history. But it is it is a spirit that will ultimately, the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of the false prophet, uh, it, it will culminate in the embodiment uh, uh, of these you know, of these two spirits in two people at the end of the age, right? Uh, so, so, so there's been many antichrists, John said, right? There's been many false prophets, but at the end of age, you will see the true antichrist, the, the the culmination, the embodiment of him, and of the false prophet who embodies all false prophets throughout history. Does that make sense? So, so that's what we're going to see in these two beasts. It's the spirit. The spirit of the false prophets, it's, it goes back. You know, uh, it's ancient. The spirit of Antichrist, it goes back, you know, in, in history. You could find it. You could see it in Scripture throughout history, right? Uh, the spirit of Antichrist. You see it uh, in Pharaoh. You see it in King Herod. You see, you see false prophets as well throughout uh Scripture, Balaam, you know, Balaam. Balaam, Balaam is one of them, right? Uh, in the days of Jeremiah, what was the name of that false prophet? He, uh, uh, Hananiah. 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 Just, yes. Yeah. So, so when you see false prophets, understand that that's speaking of uh, prophetic events at the end of time that ultimately culminate with the Antichrist, the embodiment of the Antichrist, and this end of the age false prophet. Amen. So uh, going yes. back to Matthew chapter 4, going to the first temptation, I'll go ahead and read it. Um, it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So we have insight into how it is that uh, the, uh, the first beast and the second beast will try to control the world. One of the ways to do that is to control the food supply. Right? Mm -hmm. Is to because naturally man wants to self-preserve himself. And the last thing man wants to do is to watch himself and his family go hungry. And that kind of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of pressure puts pressure on people to make decisions. Right? They will look for a, a better alternative. And that's exactly what we see in, 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 in the Exodus, right? It, Jesus fed his people daily, you know, yeah. but, but their faith in his provision wavered naturally. You know, they were thirsty. He gave them to drink. They were hungry. He gave them food. But, but the sustenance, the daily sustenance and the ability to not Looking to the to not feel that, you know, because when when God when God provides for us, 
It's all by faith. Yeah. Right? We're not to, supposed to fret for tomorrow. We have enough issues for today, Matthew uh, chapter 5 says, right? Mm-hmm. We have enough evil to deal with today. Why, why fret for tomorrow? And it's not easy to trust in the God, right, who tells you to, to trust him by faith because we live by sight, you know? Hey, yeah. it's hard living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we hope and wish that we have money in the future, right, so we can have that peace of mind. Well, at least I have some savings here, you know, and, and, and I got enough for a few months, and so I'm good. Mm-hmm. But the times that are coming, right, right. we're going to have to trust God for, our, for, for provision on a daily yes. basis. We're going to have to fully trust him. I believe that. Yes. Everything is so shaky. The economy is shaky. I mean, I, I went, I don't know if this happened to you, Pastor, but I've been to a few, uh, I was at, uh, I think, at a Vons the other day. And, and I wanted to get some eggs. There was no eggs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, some of the stores are empty with supplies. And I'm yeah. like, wow. In America? Something. Yeah, we've never seen right? it, right? Yeah. Right. It's it's incredible you know, because that that's the way, Brother Fernando. Sorry to interrupt you. The, um, right. um, that's the same thing, you know, with the people of God. They literally needed to depend and know that every morning, <laughs> when the dew in the mid, in the midst of the dew was going to be manna, and we're going to get to those places because we've never seen these things happen in America. That's what you're saying, brother Fernando. Is that we've never seen this? It's it's, it's something that we're not accustomed to seeing. We're accustomed to seeing our stores full, over full, mm-hmm. and now we're getting to the place of little by little. The, the supplies are being, and then we're going to head to a place where we're going where we're going to have to depend on God's provision for that day. It's coming. Right? Yeah. Just, and, just, like, three and, and yeah. just like the three and a half years of Elijah, right, where there was no rain, he had to depend yeah. on provision from God. That speaks of the last three Yes. Of, of the end of the age. Right, the 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 first beast is given power for three and a half years. Revelation mm-hmm. thirteen. And, and so, it, that's a tremendous connection you're making, brother. Uh, you know, as we're talking about the the first temptation has to do with bread, and you know what the Lord has allowed you to see is is very powerful because that is you know the Bible and the Book of Revelation speaks of drought. <laughs> it speaks mm-hmm. of of so many that have to do with. Our our basic needs. I think that's what it represents, right? Our food and water, and that's the mm-hmm. first way that he comes. Satan comes to Jesus, right? And and right. And, and giving us a picture on how he's going to approach and come against us in these last days, right? I believe that's what you're you're, you're making the link yeah. to. Amen. And and remember, in the in the Gospel of Mark, uh, we get more insight. Uh, prophetic insight where it says in chapter 1 verse 12 says immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted of Satan notice and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered unto him the wild beast in the Greek means stereon it's the same word for the two the same Greek word for the for the word beasts first and second beast right Uh, mentioned in Revelations 13 
So we see and type in shadow a picture of these beasts. So the wilderness experience in type of shadow is a prophetic uh, prefigure of what we read in Revelations 13. Right. right. Okay. If we if we can see it, it's 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 like a, a, that that the experience in the wilderness is a little revel, book of Revelation kind of uh, prefigure. Right. Mm-hmm. Because after yeah. Jesus comes from out of the book of Revelation, uh, out of the wilderness, excuse me, um, <laughs> the, the the scripture mysteriously and, and by design tells us that John is in prison. Yes. Again, alluding to the persecution that is coming to God's people, and that is exactly what we're warned about uh, in Revelations 13, uh, in between the introduction of of uh, the first beast and the second beast. Okay, if, if you have eyes to see, we see a connection there. Okay, um, again, yes, so we have the, the first temptation. Jesus is tempted. Uh, you know, he's hungry, obviously. He's been fasting 40 days, 40 nights. He's been in, in you know, intense warfare, right, and so forth and so on, and and and, and Satan tempts him to 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 stop trusting in God's faithfulness and provision, you know? And that's really where the temptation is going to come. At the end of the day, this is, this is a conflict between good and evil. It's about the divine purpose of God and, and, and him, re, him revealing his faithfulness to his people and his people being obedient to his faithfulness. Right? So, right. so, um, Again, hunger, yeah, right? Think, we speak about hunger, and that leads ultimately into uh, a one-world economical system where nobody's going to be able to buy or sell, buy what they need for provision or sell what they need, right? The market, the economy is going to be controlled, and the enemy is going to put pressure on on people in the earth, and particularly Christians, to take the mark. And yes. to ultimately stop trusting in the Lord. Right. You know, that, that word hunger produces, you look at the definition, it literally means a pinching toil. The idea of a pinching. Mm-hmm. In other words, it, it produces a craving uh, to suffer a need or a want, right? When you take the, mm-hmm. the food resources, that's what it's going to produce in many, you know, and and Lord help us, but many, you know, are going to fall to that pressure. You know what I mean? And, and right. that's what Jesus felt. And he was hungry. He was human. But it's yeah. how he was able to subject that craving and literally depend on the word of God, right? And on that Amen. that proceeded from heaven, the, you know, but that's powerful. And it, Go ahead. And isn't that what Israel ultimately was desiring, the food of Egypt? You know? Yes. Yeah. I wonder sometimes, yes. you know, with with the Christians that love to eat, you know, during these times, you know, they're gonna be like, man, I wish I had a Domino pizza. You know, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> yeah, you know? there was a lusting, a lusting that felt. Yeah. That's what the Bible says, right? You're right. I mean, those of us that that deal with those, that have those <laughs> battles of craving, <laughs> you know, we're gonna have to subject them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. You know what, man? It's it's crazy because. So many Christians, they're like that. You know, the spirit yeah. of God moves in the service. You know what they're thinking about? 
What's for lunch? Lunch, yes. Here in America, yeah. that's what they think about. It's lunch. What we're going after. You know? Yeah, where are we going after to eat? Are you kidding me? God just moved. The last thing you want to think about, right? Yeah. But that's, that's that's a little side note there. But go go with me to Revelation 6, verse um, verse 5. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the third seal, and we're talking about the rationing of food in the last days. Amen. If you could read it to verse uh, verse 8. We're going to read the okay. third and fourth seal. Man. Chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And when mm-hmm. he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he so had opened of, the fourth... That speaks of uh, a food, a rationing food, right? Food is going yeah. to be limited. Okay, Seven. let's go into the... Yeah, let's go into the, the fourth seal here. And when he opened, when he had opened the fourth seal... I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger. With hunger. With death. death. And with the beast of the earth. Mm. There goes the beast again, the therions. Right? Yeah. This is this is what they're planning to do to execute their world domination and ultimately the destruction of mankind that will lead them into this beast worship that the Bible speaks about in, in the book of Revelations, chapter thirteen. Okay, and with hunger. Right? And then the fifth seal, we know what it talks about. It talks about persecution. Yeah. Right? And and, and, and that's what we've been telling the church and those who are listening. That that's, that's what's coming. We're not going to avoid it. It's a baptism that we must all enter into. Yes. Right? Um, and so forth and so on. So we, we see there the first temptation. Right? And so let's go back to the book of Revelations, verse 13, and how this is accomplished. And it says it there in verse verse 16, an economical system, a B system, that doesn't allow anybody to buy or sell, right? It's, yeah. it's full control. I mean, think about what happened last year when the people went all crazy, you know, storing up food and toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> toilet you know, paper. We saw the reaction of people here in America, and they went crazy, Right? There was talks of rioting and looting in stores, and, you know, it, it was like Y2K all over, right? And yeah. and, uh, and so we see we see that what people value is their is 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 the their, the provision, right? What we need to mm-hmm. to to live on a daily basis, food and 
supplies and essentials and things of that nature. Right. You ask yourself the question, if people are put to that, you know, put to the test and, and are made to choose, because it says that he causes, it doesn't, you know, the, the second beast doesn't force people, he causes, it, right, which means it's presented as a better alternative. Hey, you know, why, why, why go, you know, on living with doubt about tomorrow, if you just take this mark, you know, you're going to be able to do what you have to do and, and eat and survive. Survive. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so forth and so on. So um, let's go back to the second temptation. And look where Satan takes Jesus. It says, the devil take it, in verse 5, the devil take him up, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Notice now. Notice how how good Satan is at distorting scripture. And this here speaks of the spirit of the second beast. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Think about that. He takes them to the temple, to the religious place, right? A religious place. And then he begins to quote scripture and tries to tempt the Lord and ultimately tries to deceive him. But he has no idea who he's speaking to yet. Doesn't fully realize that this is not just any ordinary man. That this is the son of God. This is the word of God that became flesh. He's talking to Jesus, the savior of the world. If he tried to deceive Jesus, what makes you think he will not try to deceive us? Look at how he quotes scripture. He knows it very well. He knows it more than some of us. So we see, again, that uh, the, 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 the hunger in the first temptation, that Jesus is hungry, and, and we, we see a, a, a type and shadow of how the the first the the antichrist will try to dominate the world by controlling the food supply by rationing out food by implementing the mark of the beast so where people are 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 met with a decision that they have to make either give in to the beast system and take the mark or die eat and feed your children and take the mark or die, right? But then here's the next component, which is religious in nature. And that's what we see uh, what the second beast implements. And it is, it is through the second beast that this is executed. Let's go back to Revelation 13. Mm-hmm. Now check this out. This is where, where the Lord began to show me some things um, that are pretty, pretty fascinating um, concerning how all this will come about. And and I'm going to show you what the Lord showed me concerning uh, the Passover, that it will be during Passover 
that the implementation of the mark of the beast, the, 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 uh, uh, of, of the first beast and the second beast, the second beast deceiving the whole world, that it will take place during the Passover. Revelation 13, verse 11 says this, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, I want us to go to that word exercise, if you can, Pastor, if you have your little uh, uh, the Greek app there, and, and what the word means. Exercise, yes. Amen. It means, um, yeah. oh, verse 12, yes. It means apparently it's a uh, an absolute primary to make or do, to make. agree, right? To make or do, to abide, agree, appoint. What else? Yes, yeah. I'll read it. I'll read it here. It means to do, to make, to carry out the plan of the first beast, to execute it. Notice, at the very bottom, it says something very interesting. To execute it, to celebrate, or to keep something. What is the celebration? What are they keeping? Or what is being told to the world concerning the first beast. It says to make ready and so at the same time to institute. He's going to institute a celebration, a keeping. The celebration of the Passover. Incredible. Yes. You want to talk about complete mockery, complete blasphemy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it here. He's seeking, the, the second beast is seeking to deceive the world by means of religion, mm-hmm. by means of making the world in particular, those who are religious, those those who 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 believe in God, to make them believe that the first beast is the Messiah. That he is, in essence, the Passover. But he's not. It's, look what verse 11 says. He has two horns like a lamb. Mm-hmm. But he's not. Right? Mm-hmm. But he is and he spoke as a dragon. He is really the dragon. Think about this for a moment. Incredible, right? Yes. But we know who the true Lamb of God is. John saw him. And I, John said that he saw, when he looked at Jesus, he saw him as a lamb, as it had been slain before the found, right? 
uh, as they had been slain. The Bible says that the, the, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, which brings up another quite uh, an interesting thought, right? When we read the, the, the fall of Lucifer and, and uh, why Passover, right? Why would, it seems to indicate, there the second beast tried to institute or celebrate or keep uh, Passover, right? In the fall of Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14, and this, it says this uh, concerning Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And we spoke about this in, in uh, past podcasts where it says, I will sit also upon the mount of congregation. The word congregation in the Hebrew means moed. It means an appointed time or a festival, right? Sacred it literally means mm-hmm. a sacred feast, mm-hmm. which tells us that there is a mount of congregation where God's angelic host there's appointed meeting days or sacred feasts that all the angelic hosts had to go up to and celebrate. It was an appointed meeting time. They had to stand before God. We know this because in the book of Job said, it says that there was a day when the sun, an allotted day or a day that's appointed where the, when the sons of God came before the throne of God and Satan was there uh, in the midst. Right, so we know that there are days appointed in heaven where the angelic host has to come before God. Right, and we know the question that the Lord asked Satan, "Where have you been?" So, so apparently these appointed days is where the angels of God uh, give give to the Lord, uh, you know, uh, information about their doings, where they've been, what have they done, right? They're messengers. That's really what an angel is. They're messengers. So they bring back the message to God of the things that they have been doing. Right? Um, and right. so forth and so on. So so one can only wonder, what feast day was it when Lucifer fell? When he said, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Could it have been Passover? Well, no, because Passover was instituted with Moses. Was it? Scripture says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. First Peter 1. Mm-hmm. He was already the Passover before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. That's something to think about here for, and, and food for thought. Okay. So did the rebellion of Lucifer take place during the Passover? It would make sense here why Second Beast is instituting or celebrating a Passover to deceive the whole world. Remember, we've spoken about this. We are waiting for our Passover. 
or excuse me, we are we are waiting for our exodus. Jesus is our Passover, right? We're waiting to leave this Egypt land. We are on our way out. That's why the dissension will be so great. Jesus said this, I came in my own name and you received me not. But one will come in his name and him will you receive. Think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Now let's go quickly to the third temptation. I know I said a lot there that's going to have people thinking, but it's it's worth noting and, and to ponder on these things, right? Well, that's let's go well, to, that's where a, a, a desecration is going to happen, right? He's called a man of the desolation, mm-hmm. a man of perdition. He's going to sit the very place where they do the sacrifices, right? That's what he's going to defile and call himself God and ask him. And and then for people to worship him, that's what Thessalonians speaks about, right? All that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God, as God seated in the temple of God. Right? The connection right. he taken to the pinnacle, <laughs> the pinnacle of the temple, right? And But that's where that desecration is going to happen, right? So I think it's... I don't think we do violence to the word in in in, in saying what you just said. I, I think it's it's very possible that these things could Correct. take place at um, the uh, the uh, Passover, right? And, and the Bible yes. gives us clues about those things and what He's going to do in the temple. So um, I, I think it's something that we should consider. But yes, and, and it makes you wonder why Satan. Uh, desire the body of Moses as is said in Jude uh, verse 9, Jude only has one chapter, right, it says, yet Michael the archangel when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses durst not bring against him a grating accusation, but said the Lord rebuked thee mm-hmm. Moses was a prefigure of Christ yes. right why did Satan want him Moses' body. Think about that for a moment. What what if he accomplished capturing the body of Moses? Well, then he would have had his body. And then Satan would have been given a mouth. And imagine the deception that could have been done if he did uh, happen to get Moses' body. But the, the Bible says that the, the angel uh, Michael contended against him, and he could not get it. Which tells us that Satan has always looked for a body, right, and so forth and so on. Now, now uh, let's go to the last temptation as we close here. Um, in verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That's exactly what we read about in the book of Revelations, chapter 13, that the devil is after. Let's read. 
verse 4. And they worship the dragon. That's what the devil has always wanted. Worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee, Satan told Jesus, and I will fall down and worship me. Apparently, the man of sin, the son of perdition, takes the deal. <laughs> and he is given power and authority over all the world so that through him, the dragon might be worshipped. Saints of God, I thank God for Jesus. Yes. Because he is my savior. I've served the devil for many years. Some 15 years ago, the Lord came into my heart, came into our heart, and now we serve him. There's many that have served Jesus, but now they serve another. We must hold on. We must yield to his will. We must endure to the end. No greater love than this that a man would die for a friend. I thank God today that we worship the true King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is our Savior. And he is our healer. He is our sanctifier. He is our soon and coming King. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my house there are many mansions, and if they were not so, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus Christ, church, is coming back again. Let us prepare our hearts. Let us examine our hearts. What is it that we're worshiping? What is it that is before him? Let us examine our hearts and make sure that there's nothing between us and our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And there's a beautiful song that says, Jesus, I surrender all, all the kingdoms of my heart. You see, in what we've been studying, we see our struggle. And there are places that perhaps the enemy have gained ground in our hearts, places in our hearts that we have not given to him. 
But what we learn and what we've been learning from Matthew 4 and, and making the parallels of an end time in chapter 13, which I think we should study and, 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 and study these things because we see how Jesus defeated. Hallelujah. One by one. <laughs> one by yeah. one by saying it is written. It is written. And there are places in our heart that God is dealing with us. That he's saying, you know, you haven't given me this. And it's only by the word, by the power of his Holy Spirit, that we can overcome and allow God to take every place in our hearts. We pray that you've been encouraged today. And once again, um, if you need to listen to this podcast again, do so. But uh, God is speaking to us and showing us things that I believe concerned what is just around the corner that is already here. The spirit that is moving, uh, Satan one last time, he knows he has but a short time. But we are God's elect and we are the saints of God and we will endure until the end if we trust in his word. We pray that may, that God bless you. We pray God keep you. And I pray you join us tomorrow to another study of the word in this podcast. But meanwhile, as always, keep looking.